heading to compete at Bathurst this October. Race Fuels has you covered. No matter what category you're competing in, Toyota Gazoo Racing, Aussie Tin Tops, Combined Historics, Race Fuels will be there with our famous range of fuels. Alf LMS, Alf Race 102, Race Blend E85, 98 Ron. Register now and we'll fuel your mountain attack. been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as all Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Okay, this is it. This is episode 29 of Parked Up. We're powered by the race fuels. My name is Grant Rowley, joined by Tony Dalberto once again, but for the very first time, he's on the Gold Coast staying at Fabian Coulthard's house. Tony, you're out of Darwin quarantine. You're into the real world. What does it feel like? I tell you what, Grant, it feels normal. And I didn't think it would. The weirdest thing is actually not wearing a mask. When I took the mask off, so you give the mask, or you put the mask in the bin when you leave the quarantine in Darwin. And I fired straight to the airport and it felt so strange to be out in public without a mask on. I felt naked. <laughs> but then to arrive into Brisbane and... Uh, you know, come to Fabs's place, um, you can socialize, you can go out to the cafe, you can basically do whatever you want. It's, it's almost like COVID does not exist here. That's, it's, it's amazing. That is just horrifically so, hard for me to imagine down here in Victoria. So for all those people that are in Queensland, New South Wales, wherever you are in the country saying, oh, we feel sorry for you guys in Melbourne, you know, blah, blah, blah. You have no idea what <laughs> melbourne has gone through because it is a non-event up here yeah i'm sure it's um, so is there any lingering you know oh maybe this could happen to us maybe the a, a new wave could come is there any social distancing no there is a little bit of social distancing and when you go to a restaurant they do ask for some details um but that's about as far as it goes you know everyone's that's just for them yesterday that's just for them email marketing yeah. marketing list so they can uh, bombard you with spam yeah fabs and i went to bunnings yesterday and the place is absolutely flat out like fully hectic we went to noosa today and the place is just pumping so yeah it's crazy it's, it's honestly like a different world so it's been really nice to have a little bit of freedom, get up here and relax. Weather's been amazing. Um, but I certainly feel really bad for you guys back in Victoria. And I feel sorry <laughs> for Steph, especially my wife, because she's doing it tough. And uh, when I'm here, you know, with beautiful weather, she's showing me how much it's raining back in Melbourne. So anyway. Yeah. And no worries. Um, so, hey, we've got a big show for Parked Up uh, this episode. We are going to speak to Bev Brock the former partner of the King of the Mountain, Peter Brock, uh, an absolute gem of the sport. Uh, and we're going to grab her pre-Bathurst to uh, talk all things Mount Panorama, the King himself, Peter Brock, and, and what she's up to these days as well. So uh, that'll, be, uh, that'll be fun to, uh, to grab her on the line. We're also going to talk... Uh, to Molly Taylor uh, in as part of our news segment, which will come up soon. Of course, our news is powered by motorsportwebsites.com.au. Molly has completed a reality TV show as part of uh, her new deal with the uh, Seven Network, and she is uh, going to be on SAS Australia, where she'll be put through some pretty brutal physical and mental challenges. So uh, we'll see if we can get the... Uh, inside scoop from molly before we start seeing those pretty pictures on air it'd be awesome to catch up with her and to see what sort of training she had to do now grant i'm looking at you via zoom mm -hmm. and let, let's be honest here mate let's be real COVID hasn't been that kind has it mate <laughs> um, i've actually taken it into my own hands here what uh, so what are you referring to though are you, to, well, are you talking about my skin or no, my hair colour. My hair's been grey for years. It's your amount of chins. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, this is so a, have you packed on is, a couple of kgs or uh, what? Yeah, a couple. Come on. A couple. How many? I don't actually know. I broke the scales. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not actually sure. Uh, 
yeah, thanks for uh, this. Is really sorry for bringing it up, but I have. Thank you. I've brought it. I've taken it into my own hands, though, Grant. My trainer Lee Stimation, uh from Reaction Performance has been yeah. working with me all through COVID, and he's we done a really nice him, job. We spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we had him on the show, and uh, I said to him, "Look, do you reckon you can help Grant out a little bit? Um, COVID hasn't been as kind. Summer's on its way, and I said, you know, can you?" do a little program for him to get him going and hopefully shed a few kg. So he at least feels comfortable again, in his own, uh, in his board <laughs> shorts when, uh, when summer's here. So what I've done is I've teed him up on the line and we're going to run through the program. We're going to put you under. This is embarrassing. So we've got Lee from reaction performance on the line. Now, Lee, we've got a situation here. I've spoken to you offline about Grant and his COVID uh, period where he's put on a few i say a few because that's kind but it's more than a few kgs uh you were being kind but now you're not being kind exactly i've brought in the best lee Uh, you've done a fantastic job with my prep leading into bathurst and i thought we could use your skills to try and shred a couple of kgs off grant prior to christmas because i know donna his wife will absolutely love us for it so have you had a chance to think about what uh, sort of program you're going to put together for Grant? What What's he in for? Well, yeah, look, we're definitely, we've got a bit of work to do. I'm looking at you here on, on Zoom, Grant, and uh, they say the camera puts on 10 pounds, but uh, is that just one camera you got on? <laughs> <laughs> so, look, this is embarrassing. I should go easy on you, mate, because, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm here to motivate you, okay? We've Tough got love. some programs that will, obviously there's some challenges being down here in Victoria, um where you know we don't have access to the gym so i've been working through some programs we've got some online tools uh we can do some outdoor pt and we're in the same sort of area so hopefully we'll get to uh catch up and do a few of those but we've got to focus on your nutrition mate what's been going on there yeah i guess that's been a bit of the challenge but uh, i think if i'm really honest the the exercise has kind of let me down a little bit and I do like to eat and I like uh, definitely like a couple of beers from time to time and for sure I'll be the first to admit that I've probably eaten a little bit uh, without eating without thought and also probably drinking a little bit too much as well so so those things I'm I'm quite happy to tune down it's just um, yeah the uh, the I've been doing basically zero exercise i used to get all my exercise from indoor sports really that was uh, i used to play like three or four games of futsal or indoor soccer uh per week and yeah that's that's all shut down so um walking infrequently has kind of been the uh the, the only thing that i've done so um yeah but it sounds like you're going to make me do a little bit more than walking no, we'll get you doing a little bit more than that. Obviously, um, yeah, that incidental activity has dropped off a lot here in Victoria, uh, being in lockdown. So we're going to focus on that. Uh, we've got some Zoom sessions that we'll do. And uh, yeah, don't worry, we'll, we'll uh, get you back on track. I heard you look like Thor before COVID. So that, that's the goal. <laughs> he definitely doesn't look like it now. <laughs> oh, well, maybe no, I do look know. like Thor. In one of those movies, Thor turned into a big fatty. So um, <laughs> uh, that's my oh, current Thor. Right. I want to see the before and after photo as well. I don't really want to see the before, but definitely, definitely the after shot. We'll, we'll, try, we'll think about that. That's well, all up to Lee. If he, if he does a good job, then we'll see the before and after. So right. what, uh, what's the time frame here, boys? Are we, yeah, talking, are we talking a month? Are we talking six months? What's your goals? Yeah, it's like, you know, two, three days. Surely we'll have this wrapped up by next episode, right? <laughs> Looking at uh, looking at what you're working with here, Lee, um, which isn't as bad as what Tony is uh, blurting okay. on. About. Every time we chat, you talk about, oh, my jeans are so tight. I feel so fat. <laughs> yeah, I've got a bit of work I'm to do. I'm sick of hearing about it. This is, why, this is why I've got Lee involved. What do you reckon, Dude, Lee? Tony, How long I, is it going to take? You're giving him a hard time, mate. It just, yeah. <laughs> Look, we've, we've got a bit of work to do. It's not all that bad. And um, yeah, no, we've got, uh, look, I would say, um, you know, give it six weeks and we're going to have some really good results. So um, the, the main thing is we've just got to get this sort of COVID uh, activity mindset on track and um, yeah, get you active, get you into a routine. That's, you know, we, we talk about um, people losing motivation. Well, 
you've got to get the habit right first and then the motivation follows. So over this next sort of six week period, we'll, uh, we'll get you back on track, mate. And we'll have that. When, when you show us the after photo, then maybe you'll be uh, happy to show us the before photo. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, t time will tell with that. Right. Lee, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I guess I'll see you on a different type of Zoom call in, in sometime soon where you're going to be making me do things my body doesn't want to do. All right. Fantastic. Look forward to it. Here we go, boys. I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> Six pack. Here we come. All right. Thank you very much, Tony. You have not only publicly embarrassed me by telling everyone I'm fat, but you've also gone and arranged my uh, own personal trainer. This is horrific. I thought you'd be thankful of it. I am very I'm doing thankful. you a favor here, mate. And I'm actually doing Donna a favor. She actually texted me and uh, said, listen, can you help out Grant? Because he's just getting nowhere. And, you know, it's getting a bit embarrassing to be with him in public. <laughs> lucky uh, we can't be in public down here we're trapped inside you know it'll be it'll be like taking five years off you i reckon <laughs> all right great i can't wait for this i actually i do really like exercise but so that's not going to be foreign to me um what will be foreign though is being forced to do it so here we go let's uh transforming the rolly rig <laughs> see what comes of it that's enough about me. Let's go into news. So this is the news for the week. And then our news is brought to us by motorsportwebsites.com.au. Just uh, check out the parkedup.com.au website to see what the guys at Motorsport Websites can do for your brand. Uh, excellent uh, guys to work with. Super easy. They know their motorsport and they'll definitely make sure that your online presence looks an absolute treat. Now, Tony, uh, not much in the way of supercars news. There was a bit of an IndyCar race on the weekend, and Will Power, good old Aussie, the uh, Toowoomba Tiger. Uh, I don't know if he's ever been called that before, but let's call him that for now. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, took the, uh, he took the win over there, but pretty light on, um, on local news, uh, supercars have done and dusted with all their sprint races. We're, uh, we've forgotten about that. Scott McLaughlin has won the title. We've, we've all uh, become accustomed to that. But now everything is driving towards the, uh, the great race. From your point of view, your preparations have been a little bit mixed, but what's the vibe like up in Team DJR land? That's pretty positive up here. We're uh, getting ourselves ready for the Bathurst 1000. This week ahead of us is going to be quite full on. We've got uh, sim work planned, driver change practice, uh, some commercial stuff as well. So they've, they've basically filled uh, our days uh, from 8 o'clock in the morning till probably 5 o'clock at night. Um, we've got a karting day coming up. Going to go pull some gears and uh, shift the car this Wednesday uh, with Michael Patrizzi and his team. Um, so the DJR boys are going to be there. I think Casey Stoner, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Jamie Winkup, he might be there. Right. I think Will Davison. Uh, so a few of the lads are going to come out. We're going to have a, have a bit of a day down at Ipswich Car Track. Uh, I'm going to be beaten up after that. I haven't driven a cart in a long time, and those things are pretty brutal around there. Um, you need to wear so yeah, your just, rib, rib protector. Yes, 100%. Uh, I'll be doing that. The last time I went to Ipswich in a, in a cart race, I actually rolled the cart. So um, let's hope I don't do that again. <laughs> um, I doubt there's going to be any fierce battles out there. But, yeah, it'd be good to get uh, a few miles. Um, but, so yeah, what's, it's all very... What's, what's Protrusi doing? Is he just bringing out a handful of carts for you guys to to go around in? Yeah. So he, he's got uh, his karting team here, which is actually just around the corner from Fabs's place. And so I'll hire a cart from him. Fabs has got his own cart. Uh, I think Slady's going to hire a car. Scotty's got his own. So it sort of varies a little bit. But basically, he supplies, you know, the tyres, the fuel, the mechanic, everything. You just rock up and drive the thing and and uh, sort of a turnkey operation. So it's, it's really, really cool the way he does it. Um, they've just had a big race there on the weekend in Ipswich. So the, the team will be down there um, the whole week doing these days. So pretty full on for those guys. Uh, but I think it's pretty good training going into Bathurst. Um, it's all just gearing up. So definitely looking forward to dusting off my helmet and uh, boots and gloves and driving a cart for the first time in a long time. Uh, back to the roots, the grassroots of motorsport. 
um, just to do some laps um, prior to the Bathurst 1000. So yeah, very much looking forward to that. Now, last week, Grant, we Mm -hmm. actually spoke with Nathan Hearn from uh, the Gary Rogers entry into the Bathurst 1000. Yes. But we haven't heard anything since. No, it's gone. Going on. Very quiet. It's gone very quiet. But it, as I understand, it's uh, it's all gone through the uh, it's going through the uh, court system. So, will the Bathurst 1000 have 24 cars? Will it have 25? I, you know, by the time we do the next podcast, uh, we'll we'll definitely know what the outcome is. Uh, so if you listen to this podcast anytime after Tuesday, then we apologize because, uh, this news is probably going to be old that the, the outcome just has to come. It has to come soon. You know, the, the GRM guys are, are in, uh, quarantine at the moment. Yeah. Um, some yep. are in Darwin, uh, some are in Sydney. Um, so, you know, yeah, last I caught up with quite a few of the boys up there when they got into Darwin. Um, so I think their plan is they're basically going to come out of quarantine on the Tuesday before the race. So that'd be a shame if they come out of quarantine and they've done two weeks and, um, yeah, they're not actually racing, but I'm sure that's not going to happen. Whether it's Nathan Hearn or somebody else jumps in the car, that car, I think will be doing the race. Yep. Well, we, uh, we're certainly all revved up towards the Bathurst 1000. And next week's pod, which is episode 30, Tony D, is going to have a huge Bathurst preview. And I've pulled a couple of favours from some uh, ace motorsport reporters. And uh, the four of us are going to dive deep into every entry to uh, work out who we feel is going to uh, going to be the uh the one standing on top of that podium holding the peter brock trophy the at, real contenders at the end uh yes the real contenders we'll uh we'll see and there's quite a few anyway that's that's next week now uh speaking of brock we uh we're going to catch up with bev brock real real soon but before that we caught up with molly taylor who has endured one of what looks like the toughest physical and mental challenges that you could have ever gone with. Tony, we're going to grab her on the line right now and ask her about this new reality TV show that she's been a part of. And we've got Molly Taylor on the line, of course, best known for driving race cars really fast. And even soon she might get to hold a microphone in her hand to do some TV stuff for all of the Australian racing group categories. However, we are going to get to see her on TV soon on the new SAS Australia uh, reality TV show. Molly, tell us about this uh, ordeal that looks like you've put yourself through. Yeah, it was an ordeal. Um, yeah, basically, it's a, a concept where they, they take um, 17 of us and put us through um, the SAS selection course or all part of it. Um, the, the real one goes for months. So we were just getting a taste of it. Uh, and basically just seeing who could hack it. So tell us about some of the activities, some of the challenges that you that you had to face. I'm not I'm not sure what we're allowed to tell you. I mean, you've obviously seen on the um, the ads so far. There's a, a lot of um, jumping out of helicopters, swimming in really cold lakes, being in the snow, being in in the water in general a lot. Um, so it, it's basically. Um, putting you through all these physical and mental tasks and, and trying to make you do things when you're really at your absolute lowest point and, and all essentially to push yourself to the absolute limit um, and then find that point where you think you're at your limit. And we've all, you know, been there where we thought training or doing something that's difficult and you think you're at, at the edge and, and then finding out what you can find beyond that that you didn't know you could achieve. And, and really they want to see what happens when, when it all goes pear-shaped and you fail and, and see how you pick yourself up and see how you react in those scenarios. Now, without giving too much away, Molly, um, was there anyone in particular that you were just absolutely stunned by, you know, their mental uh, ability to be able to uh, deal with some of the challenges and uh, obviously their physical fitness as well? Oh, I think, you know, the, the interesting thing was everyone did in different ways. And um, I think for all of us, we all sort of knew you know we'd watch the uk version of the show so we'd we'd seen kind of what we thought we were going to expect but then to be in there and actually it'll be happening to you and there's so much that you know you don't see on the tv show that 
that is just, you know, 24 seven, it's relentless. And um, yeah, to be able to get a whole bunch of people who didn't really know each other and put them all in that pressure cooker. And it was just, it was really, um, I mean, the most tough thing you could imagine, but also just, um, you know, the, the bonds and the strength and, and yeah, the things you learn off other people. It was an incredible experience. Molly, were you able to uh, prepare yourself in any way? I, I know you've been doing a lot of training. I watched that on social media, but did you uh, change your training prior to going on the show? And, and did you have any like parallels between car racing? You know, when you set a challenge, did you still get those butterflies that you would on the start line of a car race? Oh yeah, totally get the butterflies. Although this was, <laughs> then it turned into, you know, this, this bit of um, <laughs> like panic <laughs> in his stomach um, at some of the tasks. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously still training for motorsport and kept up a lot of that stuff, but added in um, a lot of uh, walking with a uh, pack, a 20 kilo bag on your back, um, you know, out in the hills and that sort of stuff. Um, and just generally doing things with trying to lift really heavy things off the ground and above my head. <laughs> essentially in preparation um and and i had you know been tra trained really consistently for the the couple of months that i knew about it leading into it and uh, arrived thinking i really prepared well and um man but i reckon like the first half an hour of the first day everyone was like what is this <laughs> and suddenly you go there thinking yeah i'm pretty fit and it's just yeah it was absolutely brutal Pretty cool uh, list of guests as well. One of my uh, cricketing heroes, Mitchell Johnson, absolute legend. Uh, but yeah. Chappelle Corby as well, like, you know, one of the sort of most iconic um, uh, faces of, of the last, you know, 20 years uh, here in Australia, all for the wrong reasons, of course. Um, but what was, what was Chappelle like? What, what were the cast like to work with? Oh, they were, you know, incredible. Everyone, you know, I think the beauty about it is it's really a, a, a personal testing. I mean, there's a lot of teamwork elements, but really everyone's going there to test themselves. So everyone it, with that mentality is, you know, it, it's not, everyone's not out for everyone else. Everyone's there to, to help um, each other and improve themselves. So it was an awesome, um, yeah, sort of group to, to be around. And I think that's the other really cool thing about it. It wasn't looking for the most physically elite person. I mean, you know, you have to have a a level of, of physical ability to, to get through the, the tasks, but it's more about the mentally and, and who you are. So you don't need to be an Olympic athlete. Um, so it was great to have a broad spectrum of people from, from all different walks of life in, in the same environment um, and to see how people cope with things differently. And you see really that difference in, um, you know, people's strengths and people's weaknesses and, and where they are and how, you know, someone else will help lift up you know a, a hole for someone else and and vice versa and so it was um pretty cool did you end up with a bestie there was uh, a <laughs> 16 16 friends there to choose from who was the one that you gravitated towards oh look i mean there was a couple of us that got pretty pretty close but i mean i i i think i'd give things how away close said something <laughs> <laughs> well you know we're all basically uh yeah living in a in a shed um the whole time so it gets um yeah there's, there's nowhere out of camera to uh to um yeah have a bit of privacy it's all out in the open thanks so much for joining us molly now just before you go i've set uh grant onto my trainer now he's put on a few kgs during COVID. um you're very uh disciplined with your training and grant is not uh can you give him <laughs> any advice how to change that flubber that he's got going on into a nice little six pack before summer. He hasn't got long. <laughs> well, I mean, based on my very recent experience, it probably does have a child rating, but basically when we're, we're in the course, you've basically been sworn at all the time and you've got no option. Tough love. Yeah, it's just mental, yeah, tough love. So- I'll give you plenty of tough love, Grant. Now, you're calling you all the horrible names of the world you can imagine and uh, do it. <laughs> just get on okay. with it. Just yeah. you heard it just first. Just do it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. If I don't, if I if I don't want to get up for the run in the morning, I'll just have your voice, Molly, in the back of my head, just saying, "Just get up and f and do yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. Basically, I think the uh, one of the most common lines was uh, them saying, "Trust me, you don't want to be last." So there you have it, Grant. Sound advice from Molly Taylor. Just get on with it. Mm. I can't wait to see these results, mate. Yeah, I've I've actually I've got to. Uh, now that I've uh, got this commitment to do this, I'll uh, I'll do the pre the pre workout rig shot 
Um, I'm not really one for uh, shirts off sort of photos on the social medias, but um, and if we'll I've got give, them, every, we'll if give got everyone them. like plenty of warning though, before you actually post. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give them six weeks warning by, uh, by going for a lot of runs and doing a lot of push-ups. But um, if there is some good results, then I'll probably consider publishing. But if the results aren't good, then uh, that those photos. Hey, that's not part of the deal, mate. <laughs> now there'll be some good results. I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to this, and uh, we'll shake off a few of those extra um, coronas that have been hanging around while this virus has been going on. Um, okay, so uh, let's bowl into Bev Brock, one of the the faces that we saw in broadcasts, in TV broadcasts through Bathurst years in the 80s and the 90s, but not ever on the racetrack, of course, supporting her former partner, Peter Brock. And uh, Bev has certainly seen it all when it comes to Mount Panorama. Uh, I, know, I know there's a couple of really iconic uh, images of, of Bev being uh, part of some of those great Bathurst 1000 wins that that Peter took over over all those years. And um, when we were talking about what we should do for a pre-Bathurst chat, then, yeah, we have to speak to a Brock. And, and what better Brock than, uh, than Bev Brock? So, Tony D, let's go. Bev Brock on Parked Up. And it's great to welcome the one and only Bev Brock onto the Parked Up podcast. Bev, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure, Grant. <laughs> Uh, a, a crazy, crazy time with the, the COVID situation uh, causing havoc everywhere. Before we talk about all the things we want to talk to you about, Bathurst and, uh, and some of those great things, uh, just tell us a little bit about your COVID story. Um, COVID, lockdown, no visiting, even though I've got family that live a few minutes away. Being as a single person, they finally relented and gave us a single bubble. So I've actually got to see some of my grandkids in the last couple of weeks. So I feel a bit human. But other than that, it's given me plenty of time to focus on the jobs that I need to do <laughs> instead. Yeah, so you like to keep yourself pretty pretty busy. Uh, uh, books and public speaking, obviously not too many uh, public speaking oh. engagements these days. Not too but, much at present. Um, have you, uh, have, have, have you uh, pumped out a couple of extra books while we've been trapped indoors? I've got... Two on the go. One I've got to have finished by the end of this month. The other one can take a bit longer. So, it, you know, I can just give it my undivided attention. Nothing to do with motor racing this time. So that's good. Well, that's, that's a shame. So what, uh, what, are these, uh, what are these books about, if you can tell us? I'm on an education foundation board. And uh, so one of them is a yearbook for this year's graduating students. And the other one is a, um, a fundraiser for the foundation on... Uh, uh, inspiration, leadership, and success. Sounds good. Sounds very good. Grant likes his books as well. I think he's pretty handy on the on the children's books, though, aren't you, Grant? <laughs> I, I, you know, you know my styles. You know my limitations. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bev, uh, we've got Bathurst just around the corner. It's going to be a very different race this year. I know for myself as a co-driver, we're we're coming into the race very green. Um, so there might be a few surprises uh, for this Bathurst One Thousand. Will you sit down and watch the race? Well, being as I can't go, being mm -hmm. in Victoria, uh, yes, I will be watching with interest because you would know very well that there's some very, very high profile qualified co-drivers who haven't had much seat time uh, of recent. <laughs> and so it's going to make it uh, exceptionally interesting. Please don't remind him of this, <laughs> of this fact. <laughs> I'm stressing, I'm stressing. <laughs> no, no. Stress doesn't do you any good. Be in the moment, as Peter would say, first that corner, then up the straight, then the next corner, break, no other than to be exactly where you are. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. Um, now, there's so many memories for you at Bathurst and in, in car racing just in general. It's changed a lot over the years. Um, is there a memory that really you know, um, sticks out to you uh, when you think back to what Bathurst used to be like um, compared to what it is today? Well, if I go back to when I first went, you have to understand that we're going back in time. And so <laughs> Abbey Browns, we were in caravans next to Peter's parents. We, <laughs> there was one 
uh, toilet block with one shower in it so you'd queue up for the guys to be working on their cars at the tent next year <laughs> of a night. Uh, no pit structure as such. It was a very simple, basic setup. And so things have certainly come a long way since then. And I have to say, uh, the fact that back then uh, there was no data to be collected, it relied on the uh, expertise and skill of the driver to relay the information when he came in for pit mm. stops. Blackboards held out as means of information sharing. You know, it was uh, simple, but uh, far more, um, you know, it wasn't enough for a driver to be a good driver. He also had to understand engineering and being a media person and being a public relations and being all of those things, most of which you are today, but you can rely on the electronics, the technical information mm. to assist where they never had that before. Now, is there, is there one particular memory though for yourself? I mean, we all want to know, uh, you know, a memory about Brocky, about Peter, but no, like on your side of things though, that you really enjoyed about Bathurst and something that really stood Bathurst out. Bathurst was bloody hard work. <laughs> I don't think anybody, you know, the drivers and the crew, you know, they're flat chat, but when you're in that supportive role and you need to put up with the, um, the temperament, the mood swings, the intensity, to be the gopher, you know, I used to do um, all the sewing and make the suits and do all the badges and cook and clean and <laughs> feed them and look after Peter and and it was non-stop. And um, you just got to the point of absolute <laughs> exhaustion. And mm. somehow in amongst that balance, kids uh, were stuck out the back somewhere. So for me, um, I have to say, you know, we went through some remarkable times um, and the outstanding memory that I have, aside from the six lap win, um, was in 87 when against all odds, um, anything that could possibly have been difficult was uh, to have come out with that as a victory was uh, probably the most outstanding memory, you know, the, the absolute relief uh, particularly for our guys who had given their all and stuck by us given what was going on. And then I guess the other one would be the 24-hour win. I mean, you know, that's the equivalent of three Bathurst and, and to mm. have that, um, which certainly seems to slip by most people's memories. Um, you know, that was sort of the, the, the grand finish, if you like. It's, uh, mm. it, Bathurst has always been remarkable, difficult, stimulating, demanding, everything, every emotion that anyone could possibly imagine. That, uh, that, 80, that, uh, that 1987 race, I actually just rewatched it just recently. And yeah. they used to do the podium uh, backwards where they would introduce the, the first place finisher out first and then second and then third. So Peter had obviously crossed the line third in, in the 87 race. And subsequently, five months later or whatever it was, um, was given the win after the Texaco Sierras were, uh, were deleted. But um, the, I guess it worked out perfectly where uh, the fan favourite was brought out last onto the podium and um, the scenes were, were wild. You were actually on the podium. Uh, that was a very rare event for a partner to be on the podium. And, and I think it was in sympathy because they knew what we had gone through to get there. Um, the crowd reception was, I mean, he'd had an enormous crowd reception other years, but that year it was just crazy. Yeah, and it was nuts. The errors didn't count. The, the crowd didn't want to know that. It was just the first Commodore home and subsequently to be declared the winner. We sort of, because we were in the pits right next to the Texaco the Sierras, we knew what was going on and we had every expectation that there would be an outcome like that. But at the time on the podium, you don't know those things for sure. Incredible, the incredible scenes. And uh, I could only imagine the, the roar and the sound that the crowd had uh, were making. I mean, even on the TV audio, it's all fuzzed and uh and you know you can't really hear what's going you can't really exactly hear what's going on which just tells me that that roar when when you guys were first brought out onto the podium was just uh, you know oh. something else it was something you never forget i mean you know aside from the emotional feeling already to have made it to that point 
given the difficulty with the one car that we thought was going to be the winning car and to end up with the, the one made up of the spare bits that we could scrounge from anywhere. And that comes down to Mort, Gray and Brown having supplied a lot of the other teams with slabs of beer over the years so that they <laughs> felt that they could slide out equipment to us that we're not supposed to get because um, we were banned and there was to be no no spare parts, no components from Holden at all. So it was a very lean time in every sense of the word. So. Bev, this year, uh, even coming from Queensland, where I am at the moment, it looks like we're going to have to drive to the event. And I normally do that from Victoria anyway. Was Peter a good co-driver to Bathurst when you used to make the trek? Or uh, did he have some, you know, terrible taste in music? Or is there anything you can tell us there? He was, um, he had a record every year. And so getting organised and ready for the trip was a, a, you know, a mindset in itself. So the kids, you weren't allowed to stop until you got to, <laughs> to the roadhouse midway. And then all the plans were drawn up so that it, you came in for a rolling stop to get petrol. The kid, I had to have the kids order. The guy, I usually had packed all our meals because he didn't like, you know, bought stuff. And so I'd have the, the kids would have to hop out and race to the loo. He'd fill the car up with petrol. I'd have to have got the order, got back in the car by the time <laughs> and paid for the petrol by the time he got back in. Because if you didn't do it like that, you expanded the time and the record wasn't going to be set. But <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought be, he was competitive oh, about these things? Oh my God. It was incredible. But, and if I, you know, I have to drive a lot. Mind you, 28 years of driving to Bathurst, apparently I never knew the way because I'd, I'd be directed every corner. What speed, when you think he was asleep or reading a book, the finger would go up, you know, it meant I'd had to go faster or I had to turn right or left. It was, it was something the kids were not allowed to, this was family time, so the kids were not allowed to have their Game Boys or, you know, anything like that. They couldn't open the windows even if it was hot. They, this was family time. You had to listen to the dad's daddy music, you know, John Williamson raining on the rock. <laughs> and so the trips were, for the kids, they were torture. <laughs> and uh, it was all run to a very tight schedule. It was, Do you was always an epic. Do you remember what uh, time he cracked going from Melbourne to Bathurst? Look, honestly, these days, no, you know, it, it sort of would be, I know I shouldn't say the time because, you know, that probably meant that we were not quite. I was driving in up, up a hill and there was an intersection at the top of the hill and I started to lift off. He says, no, keep it flat. I started <laughs> sitting there thinking, oh my God, okay. <laughs> it was, it was very, uh, he was not, a good passenger. He gave lots of instructions and in 28 years, I don't think I ever <laughs> passed the muster. <laughs> what about what about the return trip home? Uh, fortunately, many of those return trip homes would have been uh, after a victory. So uh, was, was, he in, was he in better spirits after a, a 1,000 win? And what was he like uh, when he wasn't able to take the win? Well, the best trips home were a couple where after the victory, the uh, Channel 7 flew us in a helicopter to uh, down to Sydney for some media. And so I have to get somebody else to drive the car down and, uh, or, and the kids. So most times though, um, he would be in fine form, bit tired, you know, because we'd have to, I'd have to be all packed up in the house or caravan or whatever we were in and be ready for a very early morning departure because he didn't want to get caught up in too big a traffic. So we'd, leave the house or wherever we were staying, drive past the track to make sure the guys are in the throes of packing up and under control, and then head off. And uh, he would be tired, he'd sleep, or you'd think he'd be asleep, but as I said, the, there was always the indicator that you know he wasn't really asleep, he was just dozing and had his eye on what exactly what was going on. But he couldn't wait to get home because it meant you know sleep, relaxation, it was all over and done with for another year. A lot of relief, I bet. Yes. Absolutely. Um, now, we've all got track rivals. Uh, did Peter have anyone in particular? Now, I drive for Dick Johnson Racing these days, and Peter was an idol of mine growing up, so I've sort of jumped to the uh, dark side. Um, but Dick Johnson, Alan Moffat, you know, I'm sure he had somebody that 
um, he was unhappy if they beat if they beat him on the day. No, he look. Interestingly enough, Peter had the philosophy that you don't worry about what anybody else is doing. You focus completely on your own effort, and you know what everybody else was doing was their issue, their problem. Our crew would keep an eye on what everybody else was doing, but obviously there were rivalries that were stronger than others with Dick, um, mm. Moth, in in his own way. Peter and Moth had a very close friendship, that mutual respect, amazing, and uh, that was something that the public never saw, the public only ever saw that what they felt was intense rivalry and dislike. Um, mm. But no, he, he really, he really made a point of, of, you know, respecting everybody else's ability. And, you know, if he got frustrated ever, it was with himself. It was never, you know, he's a very harsh personal judge. He, he, he never worried really what anybody else was doing. You could only give your best shot. And, and his, so his approach was, uh, far more pragmatic than, than I think a lot of people understood. Mm. Now, one of the things that Peter was obviously well famous for was offering all and more time to the fans for, for autographs and for signatures and for chats and catch-ups. Now, you would have been on the receiving end of many of those having to stand around into dark, dark hours around uh, racetracks that you probably didn't want to be at anymore to watch uh, hordes and hordes of people try and, uh, you know, secure Peter's autograph. So I'm, I'm sure you've probably got a couple of tales about, you know, hanging around much too long than, uh, than, than what you would have really liked. It wasn't just about hanging wrong, around because to be there for a signing session, the assistant, and there was only ever a couple of us that he believed had the skills to be his assistant. So you had to have the full range of pens, the right colours and the right thicknesses. So you had to have the T-shirt held tight. You have to have already asked the name and the correct spelling. You had to <laughs> already have the book open at the right page. The only way he could get through the hordes was for us to have it organised down to a T. And if I knew that he had to be somewhere else, I'd have to appoint somebody to go and get them to stand at the end of the queue and bribe them to stop anybody else. He would get a free T-shirt if you stop anybody else from joining after. He never wanted to be the bad person who had to say, no, I haven't got time. So that would have to be mine or the couple of other people to say, look, I'm sorry, guys, you know, he has to go because it was our fault. We were the bad ones. <laughs> and one night at Bathurst, you know, Everybody else is gone. We're back at the garage. Darkness everywhere. All the other teams have gone. And I'm finally, I'm trying to get to the end. And I'm, so I've gradually pulled down the roller door and thinking, oh, I'm exhausted. I just want to get home. And Ron Harrop was at the back and he's bought this kid who was about nine. And the kid had said to Ron, is Brocky still signing? And Ron said, no, he's just packed up. And the kid said, I bet that bitch of a wife won't let him sign anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> So that was not unusual. And then at Sandown one night, he promised he wouldn't go home until everybody had a signature. Our kids were there. They were so over it. They were starving, hungry, freezing cold. A woman had to, she collapsed in the line and they had to call an ambulance because she, <laughs> she was frozen sick. And he had, they had, the ambulance had to bring her up for him to sign the stuff before they had, she'd let them load her in, <laughs> in the ambulance. And you, you just... The memories, the kids just gave up. No, they wouldn't go to the races if it meant that that's what they had to put up with in the end. <laughs> Bev, will you be barracking for anyone in particular this year? I know uh, Craig Lowndes uh, is a great friend of yours. Uh, yeah. Do you still speak with Craig quite a bit? I keep in touch with Craig. The interesting thing is for it to be Holden's last go at the mountain, it's such a shame that it's been going to be under this set of circumstances with only 4,000 people there. And I was, in mm. fact, just talking to Steve from Holden uh, only about an hour ago. And, you know, it's, it, I mean, obviously they will do something, but for us, the ones who have a whole history, of, you know, invested in Bathurst, to not be able to be there to see this race, mm. obviously as part of me wouldn't give anything to see a Holden go out with a bang. Instead, it will be a bit like a whimper, I think. I, you know, I mean... You know, to see Craig there with Jamie, you know, is fantastic. They obviously have a good chance. Scotty has been amazing this year and deserves every mm. accolade that can come his way. So, but we all know that 
right down to the last lap, half last lap, you know, anything can happen. So I will be watching. I would love to see a Holden win it. I wouldn't be at all be surprised if Scott takes it home, but whoever wins it will certainly deserve that victory. And it will go down in history as being the most unusual Bathurst ever. <laughs> Yeah, it certainly Absolutely. will be, and it will be a bit of a shame. 4,000 people each day there just doesn't seem enough. It doesn't seem right, but um, you know what? 2020 just hasn't been right anyway, so uh, it's been a bit of a shame. Um, look, the the uh, you know I can't wait for this year's great race. I can't wait so much that I've been watching old great races uh, you know, getting revved up for this. Uh, but do you, do you feel that the race has changed so much? over the years and you've seen an incredible amount of change. Do you think it's still, it still really is the great race? Look, it is for different reasons. I honestly think we had the best of it. You know, we had a time when the camaraderie was there where you helped your fellow man up, you know, that if somebody was short of tires, you know, Peter would dig out spare tires and give it to somebody who, you know, they do what was necessary to get every car that you could possibly get on the racetrack. And so, uh, the crowd had far more access. It wasn't so professional, slick. Um, and I really have to be honest and say that I enjoyed that far more than this ultimate level of professionalism that exists now. And I mean, for those growing up with this, this is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, I'm not criticising it. But I think that in terms of um, the atmosphere, um, the struggles, the fact that, you know, if a car broke down, the drivers would have to avoid the truck that came out to load the, you know, those things were all those extra challenges that don't exist today. And, you know, it, it made racing um, different. It just, you know, these days it's stop and go and everybody gets the chance to catch up when the, you know, the pace car's gone out. And it sort of, you know, in that way, it gives, uh, you know, far more intensity to the racing. Um, but it's just different. I mean, everything evolves. Um, you know, you've got to be happy with that. But I'm just very glad. I've been very honoured to have had an amazing number of a huge part of my life, um, given some, that I was somebody that wasn't really <laughs> into motor racing. I mean, <laughs> when we first got together, it soon be, took over my life. And I've seen the very best, the very worst. And it's been amazing memories. So what's next for uh, what's next for Bevrock? You said you've got a couple of uh, a couple of books which are non non racing related. We can't we can't believe that. We, we, we thought everything has to be about race cars. Uh, but well, but what, what's yeah. next for yourself? Uh, obviously, the books. I as I said, I'm on the board of an education foundation. Uh, I do have a life. I do a lot of public speaking. I still have people constantly in touch with me. I had a guy only a couple of days ago trying, wanting me to authenticate a car that somebody's trying to sell him that I'm supposed to have owned for five years and it's had my personalised plates. And I never had personalised plates. I never owned a car for five years. All of those things, anybody that wants any information, wants photos, they still come. So I can't quite escape from the motor racing past. Um, so I, I will go on, you know, doing the things that have always interested me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I enjoy life. I have a full life and uh, where I can be of help in the community, that's what I do. So the public speaking is all about community service type things. And uh, uh, yes, I will go on. Who knows? I'll be out there on a Zimmer frame, I suppose, eventually being hauled up to another <laughs> race. You know? But uh, at this point in time, life is full and busy and I have grandkids who know nothing about motor racing and don't want to know anything about motor racing. So it's uh, there's this whole divide, which is great. Well, fantastic, uh, Bev Brock. We uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Parked Up podcast and we hope you enjoy this year's great race. It might be a little bit different uh, at home, but... Um, on my uh, own. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But uh, don't worry, all Victorians are going to be doing exactly the same. So you won't, you won't be alone in doing that. But again, we thank you so much and, uh, and we look forward to seeing you at a track sometime soon. Thank you very much. All the best. I sincerely hope that it is a safe and secure race and not too many disasters along the way. And we thank Bev Brock for her time on the Parked Up podcast. Of course, we're powered by Race Fuels. And yeah, great to hear from Bev. You know, when, when we talk to Bev, it's Bathurst time. It's, uh, we hear the Brock name and we get excited about Mount Panorama, Tony. It's not too long 
before you're making that uh, that big old trek down to the mountain. It uh, it still just gets the uh, gets the hairs on the uh, back of the neck all st- stood up. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, it's a special time of the year, and it's just really interesting to hear from Bev. Um, she's got some fond memories, um, but she still loves uh, watching each race uh, each year. So she'll be tuning in to the Bathurst One Thousand. Like you, Grant, though, she'll be doing it by, us, by herself, which is something new. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a shame. But uh, she's obviously got her favourites that she wants uh, to win, and she'd like to see Holden take glory this year uh, as a bit of a send-off. But I don't agree with that whatsoever, Grant. <laughs> not, oh, not one bit. Funny how quickly you can change your tune. It, you know, <laughs> only a few years ago, you would have been hoping for a Holden win. But that is the uh, that's the nature of it. Well, Bev was she was at the uh, she was at last year's event. I actually went to a party at um, Chris Neville Smith's famous Wednesday night pre Bathurst party, and uh, and Bev was there, and uh, I was I was excited. I thought, well, royalty has come to the party. It was um, it was all very exciting, and you know I get starstruck very easily. I know you get a little bit starstruck and we have some amazing guests on the show and she's an absolute beauty. She's a lovely lady and we thank her for coming on the show today. Like we thank all our guests on the Parked Up podcast, powered by Race Fuels, obviously Lee Stimation from Reaction Performance, Molly Taylor as well. We thank her for her time. But before we talk next time, Grant, Mm. you will have pounded the pavement. Mm lifted some weights mm. and started to sweat some of that fat off that torso of yours. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit embarrassing. Um, I actually look a bit like ET because my arms and legs are really skinny. I've just got this giant like, gut. If they ever do ET too, then they can just uh, wrap that uh, weird looking head around me and I could, I could be ET. All right. Enough about your gut. I'm sick of hearing about it. Let's uh, finish the show and send it into orbit. That's it. Parked up episode 29. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. See you later.